Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse program through the Gospel of John, and this program is the 25th program in this series. In the previous program, I was in John chapter 6, between verses 1 through 14, and what was happening in John chapter 6 verse 1 through 14, was the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus took a handful of barley loaves and a few fish, and he fed 5,000 people. Now, it was approximately fifteen to 20,000 people, if we were to include the women and the children. It was recorded to be about 5,000 men. So there were a lot of people who were there. And in the previous program, I was explaining that Jesus had just simply taken his disciples and he went himself to go on a small vacation. That's what they were doing. They went across the Sea of Galilee. In order to take a break, they went to a deserted place, a place where there was virtually nothing and no resources, just a bunch of rocks and grass. And they were taking a break. They were relaxing there. But there were people who discovered where he was And they went to him, knowing full well that this was a deserted area and that they would not be able to buy food easily there because the surrounding communities would not be able to support that many people who would be going there and who would need something to eat. Now, this put Jesus into an awkward situation because They would be looking to him as being the one who would be responsible to make sure that they had provisions. From their point of view, they provided him with a service. They provided him with people to heal. And they were willing to listen to what he had to say about the kingdom of God. And so in exchange, he should provide them with the things that they need in order to be there, in order to be in his life. Now, there is no indication whatsoever that he wanted them to be there. He was there to take a break. He was there to go on vacation. He was not there for that purpose. These people followed after him. And so as uninvited guests, in effect, this could be better described as a manipulation by the people. And this is what I was explaining in the previous program, that what we have here, in my opinion, is a profound and common type of manipulation, such that they put themselves into a scenario where they were not able to take care of themselves, but he was able to miraculously take care of them. And so by definition, he would be required, in a sense, from their perspective, he would be required to take care of them who were not able to take care of themselves because of the decision that they made to follow him and to be in his presence. In addition to that, in the previous program, I spoke about the miracle of Elijah. 
and the importance of recognizing that according to the account of Luke in Luke chapter 9, there were a lot of people who believed that Jesus was Elijah. One of the miracles that Elijah was known for was by taking a few loaves of barley and feeding a lot of people. That was recorded in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 42 to 44. And so if Jesus is considered to be Elijah by many of the people, then they would be putting him in a position where he would be able to, or perhaps be manipulated into, reproducing the miracle of Elijah and feeding all of them. This was a wonderful opportunity for everybody from the people's point of view. Now, Jesus responds to this situation, and he does feed the people with the miracle that was similar to Elijah. He did that, and because he did that, now the people go for an escalation. Initially, they engaged in what I believe would be described as a manipulation, which is a type of force, but it is a subtle form of force, And they are now going to engage with him with an escalation of their force, of their forceful attitude. And this escalation is described in John chapter 6, verse 15, with regards to making him king. In John chapter 6, verse 15, it says, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself, alone. Now, when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. It was already about evening, and according to some of the other accounts, he sent the disciples to the sea, and then he went in a different direction to effectively get lost in the wilderness a little bit. So the people decided to escalate their exercise of force, and they were about to seize him, capture him, and effectively make him king. And why not? You know, this is how they see Jesus. They see Jesus as the person who's going to provide them with all the food that they need, all the food that they want. He is effectively the goose who's going to lay all the golden eggs for them. That's who he is. He's the person who is now, because he can, because he can provide them with all the food that they have a need for, He's going to now have that responsibility, and they are going to seize him, capture him, and force him to be in charge, force him to be the king, force him to be the one to solve the problems of life, and they will certainly be sure that he has problems to solve. As they have shown, they're willing, you know, 20,000 people are willing to walk out into the wilderness where there is nothing, a place of desolation, a desolate place. They're willing to do that to create a problem for him to solve. So now if they capture him, now they can create all kinds of problems for him to solve. And because he can do it, well, he can do it and he'll do that. He was about to be made their prisoner, in a sense, not really their king, their king to the extent where they would obey his rule and obey his commands, probably just to the extent that they would absolutely have to. But that was not what Jesus was there for, and that was not what he was interested in participating in. 
And so there he was. He had his mega church, if we wanted to call it that, his mega church of 5,000 men, maybe 15 to 20,000, maybe even 25,000 people with the women and children included. And with his mega church, what does he decide to do? He decides to just send his disciples away and to sneak off alone. And you might think, well, you know, this is an example of a serious introvert. You know, you might be thinking something like that. But no, if he is around 20,000 people who are with him for the wrong reasons or for reasons that he's just not interested in participating in, then he himself can be much more lonely with all, with these tens of thousands of people, he can be much more lonely in their presence than he would be just by himself. He could be at much more peace just by himself without having to deal with all of the issues and the problems of all of these people who want to have a relationship with him just on the basis of his utility just on the basis of what they are going to be able to get out of him so that they don't have to get a job, so that they don't have to labor for the things that they need in order to sustain their life. So he decided to go by himself. For him, that was much more pleasant than being around all of these people. So he did the miracle in order to provide them with their provisions, and then he left. He left at that point, giving them what they needed and also giving them an opportunity to go back to their own lives, to solve their own problems, to resolve their own issues. That was not what he was there for. Now, he sent his disciples to go back to the boat and to cross the Sea of Galilee and return to the other side. He sent them by themselves, and the people would have been able to see that and they would know that he was not with his disciples. Now, his disciples were not going to provide them with all that food. I think it's reasonable for them to recognize that. And so there would be no reason for them to bother his disciples, no reason for them to follow his disciples. They would stay right where they were looking for Jesus. And, of course, these people would be able to observe and watch the paths the way of travel across the land, so that if Jesus tried to escape and go to where his disciples went, he would have to go by land, and with all these people, they would be able to keep an eye out and make sure that he would not be able to escape from them. And they would just simply wait there until he returned from whatever further deserted location he slipped off to, because he would eventually have to start heading back, heading back to where his disciples went to, especially with the time of the Passover approaching. So they knew that Jesus was somewhere nearby, and they covered the exits pretty well, I'm sure, in order to make sure that they would be able to capture him in the event that he tried to escape. Now, this was an area that was not really under that much control of the religious Jews, of the Pharisees. It wasn't really under their control so much of the Pharisees or the Sadducees. And so in this area, 
they could have proclaimed him to be king without much protest and without much opposition. And they could assert that they were the new people, the new Israelites in a sense, under the new king. And from their point of view, they would be able to take Jesus and altogether they would return to the region of Israel that was under control of the religious Jews and they would go in almost like an army invading the land with the king who has been asserted and who has been recognized as the king, that they would go in as an invasion force and they would engage in war even and they would seize control over Israel and establish Jesus as king over the entire nation of Israel. And they would be able to do that easily, especially because he would provide them with all the logistics that they would need, an abundance of food, and with the power of Elijah, maybe he could call down some fire from heaven to consume the adversaries of God. Who knows what these people could be thinking? But that was a situation where this could very well have taken place if they were successful at seizing Jesus by force and declaring him to be the king. He would not be able to protest easily. So Jesus had slipped away. He sent his disciples ahead. And in this way, the people are waiting for Jesus to show up so that they can capture him. So how does Jesus escape? He's not going to be able to get away by land. And his disciples already took the boat. This is what he does. He walks across the water. That's what he does, which is, of course, a very profound miracle. But why did he do it? He did it in order to escape the fifteen to 20,000 people who were about to seize him by force and make him king and then go invade Israel with the new king and their new army and plenty of provisions and maybe even the power of Elijah in order to effectively wage war all on top of that. The walking across the water was a miracle that Jesus did in order to escape all of these people. They knew that the disciples already left with the boat. They had covered the exits across the land. And so Jesus just simply went to the Sea of Galilee and just walked right across the water. That is how he got away. Again, in John chapter 6, beginning in verse 16, it says, Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. And I can imagine why they would be afraid. They see Jesus walking across the water. That would be a frightening experience. I can understand that. I can appreciate that. If I saw that, I would be afraid also. But Jesus was so kind in verse 20. But he said to them, It is I. Do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. 
That is John's account of the situation of Jesus walking across the water. The other Gospels give a few more details concerning what happened to include Peter getting out of the boat himself. But John just records this, and mainly I believe he records this in order to emphasize the point that this is how Jesus was able to escape. This is how he did it. He just simply walked across the water and told them, hey, look, don't be afraid. It's just me. I'm here. I managed to escape. Let's go ahead and arrive at the land together. And they were at the land immediately. In verse 21, then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Then, on the following day, verse 22, on the following day, when the people who were standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which his disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. That's what they were doing. Now, I'd like to mention in verse 23, there is a comment about Jesus giving thanks. There's also a similar comment regarding this in verse 11, John chapter 6, verse 11. But I'm going to talk about this subject of giving thanks a little bit later in this chapter, and so I'm going to hang on to that topic until then. But because it's mentioned a second time, I thought it would be important to tell you that it is significant and that I will speak about it shortly. But for now, I want to emphasize the circumstances, emphasize the situation of what was going on between the people and Jesus, and then I'll talk more about some of these details a little bit later. So they found Jesus, and in verse 25, this is John chapter 6, verse 25, it says, And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. So in verse 25, they ask him, when did you come over here? When did you get here? And Jesus confronts them right away. He speaks to them directly right here. And he says, you have no interest in me at all outside of the fact that you ate of the loaves and were filled. That's what I am to you. Why are you asking me, When did I come here? You have no interest in me. You have no interest in me as a person. You have no interest in what I would like to do, how I would like to live, how I would like to be a participant in this world, the fact that I came over here. You have no interest in me whatsoever. What is disturbing you or what is irritating you or annoying you is the fact that I came over here without your permission. That's effectively what they say to him. I came over here without your permission, and you are questioning me, when did I come over here in the context of 
Who do I think I am to just go wherever I want to go, whenever I want to go there? Who do I think I am? I am supposedly your slave. I am your property. I belong to you in the sense that I am your asset. I am your source of food. And I left you over there with no food in a desolate place that you decided to go to. I was just there for a vacation. You decided to go over there because I was there knowing that because you didn't have the ability to feed yourself and I had the ability to feed you, I would have to do that. And so, in effect, you forced me into this relationship. You forced me into this relationship where it is my obligation, my responsibility to provide you with lots of loaves to eat so that you can be filled. And then I went over here without your permission, and you're coming over here to question me, to challenge me, to confront me over the fact that I went over here to Capernaum. In fact, I managed to slip past you. You may have been watching the roads, and you knew that there was no boat over here, but I even walked across the water in order to get away from you. And now you come after me like this, even after something like that. Even after I walk across the Sea of Galilee, or halfway across the Sea of Galilee, you still come out in order to get away from you. You still come after me, even after all of that, and you challenge me as if, who do I think I am to leave there without your permission? When did I get here? What do you mean, when did I come here? Who do you think you are to ask me, when did I come over here? That is effectively what is going on between Jesus and these people. When he exposes, he openly and directly exposes who they are, what they are about, and what they want, and the kind of relationship that they would like to have with him Again, verse 26, Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. That's why you are here. You are here because of that. And it would have been okay that they saw the signs. That's fine. But the real issue is, is that he wanted people to seek him, to seek him as a person. In verse 26, it's either seeking the loaves, the food, it's either seeking the food, it's seeking the signs, or it's seeking him. I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs and what he really wants. He does want them to seek him and to know him and have a healthy, sound relationship with him. But he gets to be a part of that definition also in the sense that he gets to agree or disagree if that's the kind of relationship they're going to have. He provided the signs and so that people would turn to him as a person and perhaps have a relationship with him as a person. That's why he did the signs. But they were there, not even so much for the signs, they were there just for the food. And so in verse 27, he continues, and he says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set 
his seal on him. And the phrase, the Son of Man, refers to him being the living God, the Messiah manifested in the flesh, who would come as the King of Israel. This was described by the prophet Daniel. And he says, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life. But they were not laboring for the food which perishes. Just because they traveled across the Sea of Galilee, because they went that kind of distance in order to find Jesus and to ask him, when did you get over here? Who do you think you are to escape us? That is not laboring for food. They might present it in that context and say, look what we just did. Look what we just went through. Look at all the effort we put into this. So now you owe us. You are the goose who lays the golden barley loaves. And so we want some and we want some right now because of what we did. But that is not correctly laboring for the food which perishes. If they were to do that, then they would go work the field, go grow their own or go do something that would produce something of value that they could trade with someone else who has food so they can engage in a legitimate, honest exchange. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 25th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, where I spoke about John chapter 6, verses 15 through 26. In this program, I explained that Jesus walked on the water, walked across the Sea of Galilee, in order to escape the people who had assembled together in a desolate place where Jesus and his disciples were just on a small mini-vacation, they went to him. They found out where he was. They went to him. He provided them with a lot of food. He fed the 5,000, which was really about fifteen to 20,000 people. And when he did that, the people were about to make him king. And so he sent his disciples ahead, and then he escaped the people by walking across the water. When they found him, he used the opportunity of the confrontation to tell them about eternal life and that that was what he was there to truly provide them with. And I will explain this in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net thank you man.